Uh, let me pray for us as we come to God's word. Lift your eyes at the Lord your God. Lift your souls and lift your minds. We pray we would uh, do that now, Father, as we come and hear from you. I pray uh, convict our hearts where our hearts need convicting, particularly as we open up uh, your law, uh, what you require from us, but also how we do not find that to be a bird on our backs, but instead uh, in Christ as Christians, would we find uh, that your law transforms us. So that indeed with David we can pray, uh, we love uh, your law. Pray, come to us and, and feed us now uh, by your spirit. Amen. Amen. Do you uh, have a seat? Uh, we've been running through the Ten Commandments, as Johnny said earlier. Um, but if, if you're new here, by the way, let me uh, welcome you as well. It's lovely to see you. Um, we'll be running through the New Commandments, Ten Commandments. Uh, so if you've got a Bible in front of you, uh, do open up to Exodus uh, chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And <laughs> um, in a minute, I'll also read from Matthew 28. I wish we be thinking about a little bit later uh, in the sermon. Ten Commandments. First Commandment. Uh, first Commandment tells us to, to worship God uh, alone, uh, to worship the right God. Second Commandment tells us to worship that God rightly. Uh, it's no good having the right sincere feelings for God. Um, there's a manner that God calls us uh, to come before him in. Uh, the Third Commandment uh, captures our hearts, I think, and our attitude and treatment to God. Let me read it for us. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And come forward with me to Matthew 28, and I'll read from there as well. Matthew is the first gospel in the New Testament. From verse 16, Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always at the end of the age. I keep your thumb in Matthew 28, uh, but come back uh, to Exodus. We'll, we'll come there uh, a little later on. But let, as we begin, let, let me ask you, how do you feel uh, about these words? How do you feel about these words? Henry VIII, uh, Andy Murray, Vladimir Putin. I imagine uh, you feel differently about all, uh, all of those. Uh, maybe boredom uh, for one, admiration for another, uh, anger for the third. Because names um, aren't just words, are they? Uh, names are neutral. Uh, when someone is named, uh, they bring before us uh, the person who bears the name. And so the way we respond and treat uh, a name it's the way we respond and treat the person who bears the name. 
Think of the world of Hogwarts, for instance. There are two names there throughout the series. Uh, they're treated very differently. You've got Harry Potter, to uh, which people respond in hope and joy, and Voldemort, uh, the name that makes people tremble uh, with panic and fear. In fact, so terrible is his name um, that, that he is the one who shall not be named. His name is too terrible even to mention. Now, they names themselves, Voldemort and Harry Potter, they don't have in themselves any fear or, or hope. In fact, Harry Potter, I think, is deliberately a very ordinary uh, name. Uh, rather, it's because of the people who bear the name. And the way people treat the names, it tells you how the people in the world of Hogwarts treat the person who bears the name. It's a very important principle, because this morning, the third commandment, um, we come to God's name. And so the way we treat his name is the way we treat him. And therefore, uh, firstly this morning, therefore, uh, God's name is a very serious business. God's name is a very serious business. I want to pause for the first part of the sermon and try and sharpen our understanding of what God is commanding us uh, in the third commandment. We need to pause and sharpen ourselves, otherwise the third commandment will be too blunt, if you like, to actually cut us, to convict us, and therefore to bring us the gospel. And three elements to it. Uh, You've got the name in the centre, the name of the Lord your God, that's the centre of the command. Um, You've got an action that goes with it, taking it, and then you've got the thing that's forbidden. Uh, Don't do it in vain. So let's start with the centre, the name of the Lord your God. And I think the way to sharpen that is to realise the depth that's involved uh, with the name of God. When we talk about God's name, we talk about all the ways that God has revealed himself to us, essentially what his character is, who he has revealed himself to be. Uh, the names actually in themselves uh, reveal knowledge to us, don't they? And the name Yahweh, I am, or the name Jesus, God saves, or the name God gives, other names that God gives himself, Lord of hosts, God Almighty, that communicates something to us already about what God is like, his transcendence or his power or his desire to save. When we talk about his name, we're talking about his character. That's shorthand, if you like. His name is shorthand for everything that he's revealed about himself. So it extends to all his words, everything he says, and all his works, everything he's done. In that sense, his name acts a bit like a title of a book. Think about the book Pride and Prejudice. And just by having the title alone, you know something already about the book. You know it's going to be about people probably who show some kind of pride or some kind of prejudice. But of course, if you read the book and the contents of the story, and then the words Pride and Prejudice, the title, the name, I mean a whole lot more to you. You think about the Bennett family or Darcy or 18th century England. Just so with God, his name reveals knowledge itself, but contained within his name is everything that he has revealed to us in his works and words. Second element, the action, taking the name, literally means taking, means lifting up, carrying, bearing. We we tend to reduce it, just think think, think simply of of saying, don't we? So we tend to think of this commandment as, don't swear, don't say, oh my God. That's true, you shouldn't do that. That certainly applies to that. Uh, But we need to widen the scope It extends to everything that bears God's name, not just the literal words, the Lord your God. Or you could say it extends to everything that is associated with his name. 
Uh, so it can include us, uh, his church, it can include uh, his word, or extend to his attributes and to heaven and to everything else you can think of. And to treat those things is to treat the Lord your God. For instance, if I buy a mango uh, from Aldi, and I take it home, I cut it up, and I eat it, and I go, that mango was disgusting, utterly revolting. I haven't said anything about Aldi directly, have I? Uh, but I'm lifting up Aldi's names in my comments. I'm saying the man- mango that I bought from Aldi was terrible. There was a negative comment about the mango. Uh, infers a negative comment uh, about Aldi. And it's just so, gosh. So when I speak or think of things or treat things uh, that are associated with him, I'm lifting up God's name in my words, in my thoughts, in my actions. And then the final element, element, the thing that is forbidden, don't do it in vain. Don't do it in vain. It literally means um, don't do it falsely. Don't do it emptily. God has revealed his character to us. He's revealed what he is like. So when you treat him, when you lift up his name and you carry it forth, don't mistreat him. Don't misrepresent his name. Don't empty it of the meaning that he's given it. We take those three things together and already with the commandment, we begin to probably uh, see examples of where it'll apply. Obvious words, don't swear an oath. Uh, I swear by God, for instance. Or or swear, use his name as as a swear word. Uh, Because then if I, I do that, I'm treating his name as empty. No, we're meaningless. I'm using it for my agenda and to treating God himself as empty and meaningless. Um, blasphemy. Uh, God is not good, I might say to a friend. I might think that in my head. God is not just. That's, that's our right falsifying uh, what God has said about himself. And when we uh, widen the scope once more, it begins, I think, to strike uh, closer to home when I walk into church. Uh, and there's no reverence in my heart for the God who made me and the God who saved me and the one I've come to worship. Uh, when I mentally criticize his word that bears his name, I wouldn't have said that in my head. I, I think that I wouldn't have said that. So I wouldn't have put it that way, Lord. When I pray in Jesus' name and yet there's no thought of the Savior who, who died to save me in those words when I say them. I, I, I think we begin to find his command just stretches out into almost every area of our lives. So when we have a sharp understanding of the command, it becomes a little bit like a tree. And the command is, is the trunk. Um, and it looks fairly simple, but uh, beneath the surface, the roots are stretching out uh, into all sorts of directions, far and wide, into every uh, nook and cranny. And it's an expansive command that applies um, to almost everything in me. And why is it so serious? God's name is a serious business, I said. Well, you see it in the command itself. God wants to um, insist to us that it's really serious. That the second half of the verse, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. He'll call it to account, even though we might not call each other to account in it. Uh, he will. He will not hold us guiltless. Now, why is that? Well, on one level, because God uh, is concerned for the reputation of his name. Uh, and I think we, we, we get that. We hate it. When our names are tarnished, particularly when our names are tarnished falsely, when a rumor has gone round about us, which we know isn't true, and drags our name for the, the dirt and gives us a bad name, we feel the anger bubbling in our veins. 
Well, how much more will cause his name to be tarnished? The one who is perfect and just and holy. He has a concern for his name. On another level, it's serious because God is trying to fill the world with the knowledge of his name. That's the heart of Exodus, isn't it? Again and again, God does things so that either the Israelites or the Egyptians might know his name, might know that he is the Lord. And actually, that's a microcosm for the the story of the whole Bible. Uh, The knowledge of God was lost to us uh, in the fall when Adam sinned. Uh, God's knowledge was lost and the world went dark and was plunged into death. And the story of Scripture on one level, one way you could describe it, is, is God bringing back into the world and the knowledge of who he is and the knowledge of his name. Habakkuk 2, um, verse uh, 14, it capsulates this for us. The earth, says God, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So what God hates is when the knowledge of him that spreads out across the world is false knowledge. And not true. And when it misrepresents him so that people who hear of him mistreat and abuse his name. But then you want to step back and ask, uh, how is it that God's name will spread across the earth like the floods cover, uh, the waters cover the seas? Well, ultimately, you have to say it's through Christ, isn't it? He is the image of the invisible God. That's what John T. taught us last uh, week. And so through him, God most abundantly makes himself known. He is, after all, as he says about himself, he is the light of the world, bringing those who were plunged into darkness and into death uh, back into the presence and knowledge of God. Let me ask you, how, how do people come to know Christ? How do people come to know Christ? Well, it'll be through you, won't it? Most people won't, won't go to church or throw in bats. Most people won't read the word just or throw in a cords. It'll be because of you. Uh, in that sense, you're literally Christ's name bearer, aren't you? Your name is a Christian, if you're a Christian here this morning. You're Christ, Ian. So it's through you that God's name is being made known. Which brings me to my second point. God's name is a serious business. So I'm impressing you this this morning. The second point, bearing God's name. Bearing God's name is a serious business. Uh, We bear God's name actually more than just having our our names being Christian, uh, Christian. Uh, There's a serious and deeper sense uh, that we share God's name, bear God's name, sorry. Turn, Turn back to Matthew with me, Matthew 28. Bear with me while I try and find it. There you go, Matthew 28. Uh, Jesus is uh, sending his disciples out in order to fill the world with the knowledge of God on one level, uh, to go and preach the gospel and bring people uh, back to God. It's just before he ascends into heaven. He's sending them out with what we call the Great Commission. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples. It's a very famous verse. Many of you will know it very well. What does he say? It says, go therefore, verse 19, and make disciples of all nations. And then what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What is happening when I, as a Christian, get baptized? 
Well, I am being named with the name of the triune God. Baptism, in that sense, is a naming ceremony. Children, children, it is as if God, in, in your baptism, takes a, takes a pen and writes across your forehead, this belongs, you belong, to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're marked out and identified as his. So that now my identity is one who bears the name of the triune God. In that sense, I am, I am in my identity, I'm the son of the father. I'm saved by Jesus Christ. I'm sanctified uh, by the spirit. Uh, in my baptism, when I get baptized, I publicly declare that I am the Lord and God names me as his. Which is one of the reasons why, so if you're pausing to say that, one of the reasons why it's so important if you are a Christian that you get baptized. It's the place where God publicly claims you as his. Whereas the reality that is true about you as a Christian uh, is seen. Like, where God says to you, you are mine, I have saved you. But like when a man and a wife get married, when a man and wife get married, the wife in general changes her name. So when my wife married me, Kate, she was Kate Hirsch, uh, but her name became Kate Leach. She took my name and I gave her my name. And so she now pairs the name Leech. She's not a hurt anymore. Uh, she's a leech. That's a great thing. Uh, and the key is this. Uh, when a wife marries a husband, uh, she takes a name. So it's not whether she bears the name, uh, but how she's going to bear the name. What's she going to do with it? Uh, she will have it for better or for worse. And that, that's true for us of God's name. God has named us, if you're a Christian this morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it's not whether you bear God's name in the world. It's how you bear God's name. So God comes to us in the third commandment and says to you, you who bear my name, you to whom I've given my name, graced you with my name, honoured you with my name, don't bear it in vain. And suddenly we realise, when we think like that, that I go out, and that's what the third commandment is teaching me in one way. Don't bear the name of the Lord in vain. When I go out, I realise that what I do, what we do as a church, and everything we do matters because God's name matters and God's name is on me. And everything, I'm carrying forth God's name uh, before the world. I'm lifting it up and bearing it. And that is a serious business because either, either we'll be bearing God's name for his glory or for his disgrace. Either we'll be making him famous or making him infamous now, when people watch us they'll be drawing conclusions about what our god is like have it ever occurred to you that the way god is perceived in our city will be dependent upon the church and be larger down to the church not just our churches but the churches across uh, all of leeds and so the question comes to us how are you causing god to be viewed in your own little circles uh, falsely or truly as he's revealed himself to us. Uh, Romans, uh, Romans 2, Romans 2, Paul is addressing, you can turn there if you want, uh, Romans 2, Paul is addressing um, legalistic Jews uh, towards, uh, in 22, uh, verse 22. Um, he's addressing them down, he, he tells them, he, he says to them, uh, verse 22, you say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who have bore idols, do you rob temples? 
You boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. Okay, so uh, the hypocrites, in other words, they say one thing and yet they do another. What does Paul go on to say? Verse 24. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The Gentiles are guilty of blasphemy. It's not a good thing. They're not excused from their guilt. But Paul points a finger at the Jews and says, because of you. Why is it so serious? Why is it so serious when scandals erupt in the church? Or when abusive leadership is uncovered? When Christians are cold to the poor and ungenerous to the needy, and the church uses her name for its own wealth and, and power, or, or come closer to home, well, why is it so serious when hypocrisy runs rampant in our, in our words and actions? Or when people come to church and, and go away feeling condemned and shunned and unloved and unwelcomed? Why is that so serious? Because the name of God is being dragged behind us in the mud like a tin can on a piece of string. And that feels a heavy thing, doesn't it? And that's right. I think, I think the commandment is meant to be, this is serious. You are a Christian. Feel the gravity of it. Gravity of it. Uh, my name is a serious business and I've given it to you to bear. But I also want to say to you this morning... It's not meant to be a weighty thing, because that is weighty, isn't it? But it's not meant to be a weighty thing that that sits on us and curves our backs and makes us stumble and crawl, as if someone had wrapped a a heavy chain around our heads. No, it's meant to be a crown, uh, not a chain. It's meant to be a crown of glory that we wear that clothes us with splendor. So thirdly and, and lastly, Bearing God's name is our glory. Bearing God's name is our glory. Because the commandment can crush us, can't it? If I think that I can only bring God glory by perfectly obeying and never using his name in vain, then I'm always going to fail. I'll always fall short. Because we know we're not perfect. There's a gap between what God commands and what we're able to do because we're sinful. We've got to ask, and step back and, and ask, the God we worship, who is he? What, what kind of God are we making known to the world? Let me say like this, it's not a God who's distant and aloof, is it? It's not a God who's far away, up there somewhere, coldly demanding our worship. That's the impression I think lots of people get. Um, certainly the impression you get from a lot of other uh, religions. Uh, but for the Christian, for you this morning, that's not who God has revealed himself to be to you. Now, the God we worship is the God of the gospel. One more passage to, to look up. I right, Go back to Exodus 20 and go forwards to Exodus 33. Exodus uh, 33. Looking down at verse 18. And the Lord and his servant Moses are in conversation on Mount Sinai. So we're still in the same place, in the same, um, yeah, Mount Sinai. And verse 18 of Exodus 33, and Moses says, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And what does God say in response? Verse 19 says, I will make all my goodness 
pass before you, and what will I proclaim? I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord, who I am, what my character is. And I fast forward, chapter 34, when God comes before Moses proclaiming his glory and his name, what does he say? Verse 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. When God proclaims his name, when he lifts his name high, what does he say? He says, I am a God full of love and compassion. I'm a God who forgives abundantly those who come to me. And yeah, I'll do that while remaining utterly just, while not turning a blind eye to sin. I'll no mean, by no means clear the guilty, he says. I'll abundantly forgive sin, but I'll do it by remaining perfectly just. And that is my glory, God says. That is my glory. Where do we see that most abundantly? Of course, it lifts our eyes to the Lord Jesus and, and to the cross, where God demonstrates his glory by pouring out his grace and love upon the world, and yet at the same time punishing sin on the shoulders of his son. God's glory is centered in the name of the Lord Jesus. God says to Jesus, our Savior, you are my servant in whom I will be glorified. God's glory shines most brightly in the face of Christ and his son who gave up his throne in heaven to come down and become a servant of men who subjected his body and soul to the anguish and torment of the cross to save those who killed him. He rose from the dead and sits enthroned in power um, and with all authorities, we saw in Matthew 28, but for what purpose? To rescue sinners and from the grip of darkness and of death. And God says, he is my glory. And he's our glory. And his name is written on our foreheads. And therefore, what will it mean, as we finish up, what will it mean for me as a Christian to bear the name of God? Yes, it will mean reverence and awe, it will mean worship, it mean not using, literally not using his name lightly. But it will mean this as well. When we act like the gospel is true, when we live in a way that treats the gospel as true, what will that look like? Well, I think two ways. It might be helpful to think about what that might look like. Jesus is our saviour and Jesus is our Lord. I want to live with those as true. So when I, um, to, to bring glory to God's name is to treat Christ as the saviour that he really is to live as a sinner uh, who has found grace and therefore not to be someone who covers up my flaws, who covers up my sin, who hides my shame. Uh, I'm not to be someone who pretends to the world that I'm okay. You're not okay, but that's okay. Uh, you don't need to pretend to be someone who doesn't need help. And particularly when we come to the third commandment, not to pretend to be someone uh, who doesn't obviously break this commandment all the time. That's a glaringly obvious fact that we don't bear God's name as we should. And to cover that up, 
to cover my sin that's in my heart that I know is there. That itself is a burden, isn't it? To live for the world, not truly as I am. No, you are a sinner, but you found a saviour. And so to live in honour of God's name is to be someone who admits your flaws and runs to the cross and says, Christ, save me. I need your mercy. And when you do that, then the world will know that he is a saviour and that God is abounding in steadfast love. And that will bring glory to God's name. Or bring glory to God's name as well to treat the Lord Jesus as the Lord that he really is. What kind of Lord is he? He's a Lord who became a servant uh, to serve you. He's a Lord who died to save you. He's a Lord who placed his name upon you and married you and says to you, will you be mine? Will you love me and obey me? And we say, I will. Have my life, have my possessions, have my energy, have my desires, have all of me. I, I deny them all and counter rubbish compared to the, the worth of knowing and serving you. And then the world will know that the Lord Jesus is a Lord worth serving. And that brings glory to God's name. Then his name is honored by us and we treat the gospel as true. And then his name will be honoured by the world around us. Remember, Christian, the name of God is on your forehead and you bear it to the world and that is your glory. Let me pray for us. Father, you have poured your grace upon us, uh, grace upon grace that we uh, who are sinners, who were your enemies, who knew you not, uh, saved us out of our, our darkness, Lord, and placed your name upon us, said to us, you are mine. Father, would we live like that is true? We would not take that uh, in vain. Would we treat you as we have been called to treat you as our Lord and God, but also treat you uh, in the person of the Lord Jesus as we're called to, uh, as our Saviour and Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.